This is Jen from Grace for Single Parents, where your parenting and God's grace collide. Today I have Lindsay Easterling on the podcast. Lindsay is a family law attorney. She has been recognized as a top 10 attorneys and practices as a family law attorney and is one of the top 10 best attorneys for client satisfaction from the American Institute of Family Law Attorneys. She helps families transition from the title of husband and wife while remaining mom and dad forever. Today, we talk about the common issues that arise when co-parenting, from communication to co-parenting apps to understanding when to contact a lawyer versus figuring it out on your own. If you are a co-parent or you might be one, this is a great episode to listen to. If you aren't a co-parent, this would still be interesting. It'll help you understand some of the things that co-parents go through. Hi, Lindsay. How are you today? I'm doing really good. How are you? Good. I'm glad to have you on. Can you take a minute and introduce yourself? My name is Lindsay Easterling. I'm a family law attorney in North Carolina. I've been practicing for more than 11 years solely in the family law arena. Um, I'm a mom to one and a stepmom to another, and she's my stepdaughter and I have been in each other's lives since she was four. Um, our practice has two other attorneys in it, and we do really focus on families that want to stay outside of court, but we do our fair share of litigation. But um, I'm really passionate about educating families about um, how to stay out of court, how to kind of understand the court systems and do what's best for their family rather than put them in a box, which I think sometimes the court system does. Yeah. What led you to doing family law? Um. I didn't know what led me to family law until you start your own business and everyone asks you this question. I was like, oh, I think it's probably because my parents had a really awful divorce when I was young and we were, I wasn't called to testify or anything like that, but I was very, very much aware of the litigation that was going on. And I think that led me here subconsciously Mm. though. I didn't realize it until I was like, oh, maybe I'm like trying to write this wrong. Right. Yeah. Cause that has to be pretty traumatic as a kid. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in your business in family law, what are some of the biggest issues you're seeing when it comes to co-parent relationships? Um, I think the number one difficulty is just not putting the kids first and figuring out what's fair for the parent. Like they're saying, well, this is what's fair for me, or this is what's fair for you and not saying what's fair for the kids. Mm. Um, because it is sometimes hard as humans to not be selfish in that way or to think with that mindset. Um, I think another difficulty is healthy communication. I feel like a lot of people aren't in relationship anymore, or at least, uh, in the same intact household because communication just wasn't healthy. Um, and if you don't then figure out how to have healthy communication, once you're separated, it's just going to continue to perpetuate. Mm, yeah. So um, I think, I know I've seen in my co-parenting relationship, my husband's like, we'll just let it, let it all play out. Like we should probably communicate our desires. <laughs> like, let's just tell them what we want. And then they can tell us if that will work out. Um, but that's not always easy with whoever's on the other side. That kind of communication can cause anxiety. It can really be stressful mm-hmm. to have that. Right. But, yeah, Especially if you had trouble communicating before when you were together and then, you know, once you go through a divorce or a separation, 
there's so many more emotions now behind it. Yes. Hurt, betrayal, whether there's an affair or not, there's betrayal, there's hurt. There's so much lack of trust. So having vulnerable conversations is hard to do after separation. Yeah. So what do you tell your clients that are not communicating at all or poorly with their co-parent? Um, some of the things that I say are that you can't negotiate with crazy. Um, so if you've got someone on the other side and they've always been unreasonable and they continue to be unreasonable, that this is sort of the lot in life that you have, and you should probably hire a therapist to talk to you about boundaries and to talk to you about how to deal with the frustration and stonewalling and the communication. Sometimes there's not, I don't have a resolution. Yeah. Um, other times it's, Hey, it's going to be scary, but you have to be vulnerable and tell them what you need and what you think. And maybe they're going to use it against you. Maybe it's going to blow up in your face, but until you try or until you've done that, you don't know. So put it out there, try this out. Um, and some relationships, it's just not safe to do that, or it's kind of futile, but a lot of times they've never even tried. I've never really said, I thought this is what we should do. You don't have to ask me your lawyer, like just ask them. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we know if we need a lawyer or if it's something we can work out ourselves because, and you know, like, let's say that they're already divorced and they, at least in my divorce, there was a very general skeleton of a parenting plan in there. And so we did not cover every possible thing. And I, I doubt most do, but I know a lot of people have to end up going back to a lawyer or to mediation when one side's not holding up their bargain or something maybe was just not real clear. Yeah. Um, I think that if you're strategic with what kind of lawyer you look into or inquire about that, it could behoove you to go in regardless. So if someone comes to me and this is a way, like I would educate people, like here's what it would cost to modify it, or here's what the the timeline or whatever, if we're going to modify something, or if we're going to fight this thing that doesn't fit, or I had someone the other day, she's like, I can't believe we agreed to split extracurriculars 50-50 when I don't even make that much. I'm not sure why I thought that. And now he just bought a $1,200 violin. I cannot afford that. And I think it's something we should revisit. So her and I are just talking about that um, and communicating to the other attorney, like we're already in trial with this one, or sorry, we've already consented and have every, it's not going to court, but it's a communication. Maybe we should modify the order now so that it reflects what it should be. But in the question that you asked, I think consulting with an attorney to kind of gauge that, but what I meant when I said, figure out what kind of attorney, some attorneys are like, let's go to court. Mm. Let's like, let's do this. But if, if they're not listening to what you're trying to achieve, like, Hey, I'm just trying to make sure I shouldn't go to court for this, or I shouldn't, this doesn't need a modification of the order or this, maybe this should just be talked out. I would tell it to you straight, but there's other attorneys that might not. Yeah. So that's definitely not when you call in the pit bull at the onset. Like, should I go to court? Don't call the pit bull because they're going to say yes every time. Yeah. Um, but 
we live off of a skeleton agreement in my co-parenting with my husband and his ex. And we've never looked my whole marriage. I guess when I first married him, cause I'm a lawyer, I looked over their agreement, <laughs> but like, since then we don't pull it out. I couldn't tell you what it says. We kind of figure out the, the holidays every year, every time. Um, but I know other people follow it to the letter of the law. And if you're mm-hmm. married to someone or divorced from someone that is going to be manipulative with the order, then really, really look through it with a fine tooth comb before you sign it. Um, but if not, I don't know. Yeah. I think there, I think it is a case by case basis when you need to go to a lawyer, but if you can find a lawyer that you trust that you could say, should I do this or should I not? Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll shoot straight with you and say yes or no. Yeah. Mine was the same. I don't, I've never looked at it. One of us is parent A, but I don't know which one, but I know not everybody's that lucky and yes. has a lot more going on. Yeah. yeah. So what about co-parenting apps? I see a lot of people wanting to use them so that they can, you know, save everything that their ex-partner had sent to them, or they put maybe like a family calendar in there. Do you see value in those? There's this one called Our Family Wizard, and it logs all of your communication. Um, other professionals can get passwords and like lawyers can go in, therapists can go in, parenting, co-parenting counselors can go in, see your communication and analyze it. Um, that's where you could add doctor's appointments and share calendars. I feel like that is just setting, some families need it, but I feel like if you don't need it, don't use it mm-hmm. because it sets you up for, I'm preparing in my brain for litigation. When am I going to have to use this evidence? I'm playing lawyer. I would rather people not like <laughs> create an evidence box. If yeah. You're like, right. Um, but if you do have to go to court or if you do have someone that you think I have a couple cases that I've had a frank conversation, like your kid is five. I'm going to be in your life till the kid is 18 because we're going to be in and out of court. This is just the lot in life that you have. It's Mm. super sad. You should use our family wizard. Other people, um, there's a thing on, if you have an iPhone, it's called iMazing. You upload and it really populates all of your text messages with your spouse, like with with whoever actually. Mm -hmm. It's a really good way for an attorney to to see text message threads. I don't know what it is for Android, but... um, if you wanted to use text messages as evidence, if you're representing yourself in something mm. like that, because some people do that, that's just such a good way for the judge to see your text communication. That's such a huge part of evidence now. Um, but I don't know, we have a Google calendar and we're all just on the Google calendar so we can see what's going on. It's separate from my work. So my work stuff right. isn't on that same calendar, but that's what we use. Um, And I actually, probably because I'm a lawyer, but I will like, when it's summer, things kind of get a little bit wacky for us. We're 50, 50, but sometimes we're switching weeks and whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'll literally print out calendars for the, for the summer and highlight blue and pink and say like, these are dad's days. These are mom's days. Are we all on the same page? We have like a, just little, like at an exchange, we'll just look over the calendars and make sure we're all on the same page just because we could forget. Right. So Sometimes it's not an app. Sometimes it's just taking the time to write it down. Yeah. I actually used to do that when my kids were younger. I would print out a calendar and give it to them. Yeah. yeah. It just, sometimes it's easier than you don't, it saves 20 million text back. Are you getting them today? Is it my week? Is this the week we're switching? 
Like, right. Right. Just look at the calendar. Yep. So what's one actionable step that someone could take that they're listening to today? If they feel like they just, they're not happy. They feel like they can't communicate. Um, what would you suggest someone does? Who's maybe they don't even know if they trust their ex to watch their kids. What would they start with? I think that communication and writing is a lot easier than communication verbally. I think you have more time to process it. If you need it in a custody case, it's in writing and it's not a he said, she said. Whether that's an email or a text message. I think the, the step before that is don't write it in the moment. Sometimes it's, I've received this text message from him or her. I need to process it. I feel triggered. I feel like something is happening in my body when I've received this. Process it, write something, do not send it. Put it in a note instead of actually in the text message or wherever so you don't accidentally send it. So do something where you're processing it, getting out the anger thing or the really quick response. Um, I think also recognizing that you are when you receive those things that it is like a jolt to you. Um, I have some people that have to choose when they're going to read those emails. Like if it's the morning and I have someone that's not, we have a bad communication style. I shouldn't open the text message I received at six o'clock in the morning because now my whole day is shot. Yeah. Or I shouldn't open it in the middle of my work day because now the other half of my work day I'm gone. I'm not mentally present mm-hmm. uh, or right before I get my kids. I want to enjoy my time with my kids. I should choose when I'm going to read that. So I don't know if that's, I have some people that like silence it. So you're not, yes, I've done them. that. Right. Like you just silence it. So it's not dinging on your phone. Um, I have a couple people that got one phone that's for them and one regular phone. And that phone is like, when they communicate with you, you can choose when you answer it. You're not blocking them, but you don't always carry that one around. And when you're mentally able to process and communicate, you can. Um, But I think if you're, your other question was if they they feel unsafe, Mm -hmm. like if my kid is unsafe, the bigger thing would be to hire a guardian ad litem. It's an attorney for your children. That's super expensive here in Charlotte. That's minimum three to $5,000 for someone to deep dive in. Are my children safe at my spouse's house? Are my children well? They're going to investigate teachers, therapists, everybody. Um, I think putting something in an agreement that your kids can have a therapist. Mm. um, I think that's helpful. Like you have joint legal custody so you can make decisions about medical and education, whatever, but we both agree if our children, that our children could see a therapist or a play therapist. Um, I think that's an outlet for your children that if they aren't safe, they might have a trusted person to right. say something. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of cases where the kids are under five, maybe even under three. That's the scariest if you're questioning it because they can't even verbalize. Yeah. Um, but play therapy is really cool the way that like they can play and kind of deduce what's happening mm. in a household or in this child's mind. Um, I don't know if you could get your kid in play therapy, if you have that fear, that's another option. Again, it's costly though. Right. Um, so 
I think the way our system is set up is really sad because you have to have money in order to be able to fight for your kids. So it's real mm-hmm. sucky if you um, have to have that fight and that's a barrier, a financial barrier that you right. have. Mm-hmm. So to wrap up, can you give us like a couple of things that you see that co-parents are doing well? I think being able to modify based on the children's needs. And sometimes that's different children have different needs in the same family. Sometimes that's this child need needs were this when we had that agreement and now they are this. Um, and being aware of what putting yourself kind of second as to what your kid needs, Um, whether that's modifying the schedule. I've had some people that they want to like try out, let's try out every other weekend or let's try out this kind of, they're with me for two days and you for two days and me for five or seven weeks, seven days. Let's try it out and see how our kids do, see how we all can function. Mm -hmm. I think that's really great to know that they're not like, this is what we're doing and being so staunch on their opinions. I think I see majority of families willing to be creative or, or be flexible, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen parents realize the benefit of the other person. I know that I think I'm probably more involved in my children's lives, but I actually would not diminish my husband's role. (laughs) Like, Uh Like if he was not here, that would be a lot. And to know that when your children aren't with you, that it's a break for you, you can fill your cup your kids are probably going to be okay with the other person. I guess if they're not, that's a whole nother cup of tea. But um, I think recognizing that some of that time alone, yes, you can be sad. You definitely can miss your children. And yes, it's not the ideal situation, but there are some good, you can be more of a present parent when you get them back. Um, What other things? I think being present on important things with the children's lives and making them the focus. So whether that's a graduation or like a preschool presentation or a sporting event, like being able to be present, whether that's two separate sides of the bleachers or sitting next to each other or saying hello to the person they're dating in a not condescending way. (laughs) I know that that happens. And I think that be like knowing that people do that and say, I'm doing this for my kid. I don't Mm -hmm. care who they're dating. Like I care if it's going to affect my kid, but it's not my problem anymore. Like I'm going to do this because it will mean so much to my kid when they don't feel like, what are they? It's like this inner battle. If I love mom, dad will be hurt. Oh yeah. I love dad. Mom will be hurt. How do I do this? And their little minds just can't process. But one of the things I say to my stepdaughter all the time is I love your mom. She's so great. So that she knows like, if she loves her, so could I. Like you're, you have such a great mom. She's amazing. You're so lucky. So I think encouraging kids so that they don't feel like it's a that you're betraying them or they're betraying you by loving the other parent. Yeah, I see people doing that actively, um, and step parents as well. So I think those are some positives that parents are doing. I think we're all better educated than 10, 15, 20 years ago as to how to do this co-parenting thing. Um, we all don't have it perfect, but I think a lot of people, there's education out there, like your podcast and like these, like so many other opportunities for people to learn how to do better. Yeah. One thing I did, which I didn't, I don't know a lot of other parents who do it, but 
when my kids went to their dads, especially when they were younger, I just let them have that time with dad. You know, I wasn't expecting an update all the time, or, you know, if they had a fever, what's their temperature now? You know, I, I really just let them be. And as they got older and they had phones, even if I try to text them, sometimes they don't even text me back the kids, but I think that's fine. I mean, I know that they are safe and they're spending this time with their dad. So I think it also helped me though, not becoming over anxious when I didn't have them, you know, why are they not answering? Well, why didn't he give them Tylenol here? You know, it just really, I think it was more helpful for me than anything, but I'm sure the kids benefited not feeling like they were in the middle of a tug of war as well. I advocate for that so much. I, I don't know why it started, but we see it a lot. Like, and every other day you can FaceTime your kid when they're with the other parent. And I'm like that I saw in my household, not work, work well. It's like the absence or what is it? Not absence makes it out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. which is so sad when you're a parent, you're like, I yeah. miss my, I'm yearning for my children. They actually are not yearning for you. Like, they're actually just fine. <laughs> but when you call them, then they're like, oh, I forgot. I'm not with my mom. Mm-hmm. And now I am sad. And we would see that like our daughter would talk to her mom and then it would be like the flood of tears. And it was heartbreaking. So we stopped that. And I advocate for parents, like, I guess, right at the beginning of the transition, if they miss you or something, maybe like never say, no, you cannot call them if they ask, but to have it frequently, I think it's unhealthy. I think you did the right thing. Um, I'm not a therapist or a child specialist. So I have no idea if that's actually true. This is from my firsthand knowledge and you've confirmed it. Like I just, I think for the parent and for the kids, letting them be with the other parent during that time is um, it's healthy. I think. Yeah, I do too. So do you have any last words to tell the co-parents out there? It is hard, but I can tell you that I'm in an intact family and it's still hard. Like parenting is just hard. So on those days, know that it's not necessarily hard because you got a divorce. It's just a really big job to be a parent. And if you do your best when you have them, I think that's all you can do is do your best, learn, try to get better. If you think you messed up, have a support system, but yeah, it's a hard job to be a parent, especially a co-parent with somebody that doesn't do like communicate well with you, but it's hard even when you're in an intact family. So it's not like you're, you've messed up because it's hard. It's just hard hard. It is. Well, where can listeners find you? Um, our website is, um, easterlingfamilylaw.com and we are also Easterling family law on Instagram. Um, and we're trying to do some more educating, uh, reels and things like that, um, to provide more information. It is just North Carolina information, but a lot of the stuff and most of the stuff that we talked about today was generalized. Mm-hmm. So, Consult someone in your state if that's if that's something that rang, resonated with you. But um, in North Carolina, we're in the Charlotte and Matthews area. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're a single parent, I invite you to check out my free ebook, Parenting Alone with Confidence. You can find it on graceforsingleparents.com and it'll be in the show notes. Thanks for listening.